it's it's so creepy. It really touches on so many primal fears. Yeah. You know? The Made whole her world day. makes sense to me now. <laughs> and that is a barbecue I need to go to. Yeah. And he just woke up in the middle of the night and said, I shit my pants. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Welcome back to Gateway Film Center, Columbus, Ohio, for the latest edition of Fright Club Live. Woo-hoo! Yes, we have another great crowd. Yes! Yes! Yay. Have another great crowd as we always do. As we're going to talk about traveling abroad and show, hey, come on in, and show a uh, lean, mean little ditty. And uh, as always, as we've started to do here in the last few months anyway, feel free to stick around after, and we'll get your comments about the movie. We started doing that, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Anyway, if you haven't figured out or met us before, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we're from MadWolf.com. We're back here every second Wednesday of the month to do Fright Club Live and record the podcast and watch a cool Cool flick, and uh, we do have to say a lot of thanks for last month as we talked about dogs. Well, first, even in between there, we had, right. that, we had that bonus content of Elvira. We had Elvira on the podcast, which was, <laughs> I know, how sweet was that? It was pretty exciting. She has a lot of fans. How many fans? <laughs> like 30 seconds after that went out. We had it had a hundred likes and we had fifteen new followers. Thirty seconds. I was like, "Damn, <laughs> people like Elvira." <laughs> we're sitting there like feeling like we're because she retweeted it. Yeah, which is the coolest thing literally it's ever happened to yeah, me. Yeah, we're, we're so we're feeling like you know <laughs> we got this social media thing pretty well cornered. Uh, Heck no. yeah, no, that no. was a lot of fun. She was yeah. great. You know, we didn't have a whole lot of time to talk to her, but um, they always say if you if you interview somebody like that, any sort of celebrity, you want to get one good story out of them and we did we got at least one good story the one about her having to call out the riot police and and was you just great. you I like to randomly ask how they feel about Pee Wee Herman yeah Elvira and Pee Wee Herman are best friends the Made whole her world day. makes sense to me now <laughs> and that is a barbecue I need to go to yeah we thank her so much for for coming on and for saying the she slogan did. at the end she did stay frightful my friends that's, that's right. a that's a keeper I'm out of a job we're just gonna <laughs> use that from now on so that was fun but before that we uh, got a lot of feedback from the horrific dogs which I think we kind of expected people yeah, love dogs they do love and dogs. why not dogs are awesome so I'm just gonna run through some of them Jamie thought maybe we could have at least mentioned the Hounds of the Baskervilles. Monty, wrongly, thought that we should have mentioned Disney's Spooky Buddies. (laughs) 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 Quemel wanted Thor from Bad Moon. Now, that's a good dog. That's a bad movie, though. Good Um, dog, bad movie. That's right. Brandon, cabin fever and man's best friend. Paul, good thinking, Beast from The Hills Have Eyes. Yeah, We we should have mentioned Beast and actually Beauty. Yes. Troubling. And then Tom says that Return of the Living Dead has at least part of (laughs) a good dog. And I thought, you know, if we could have done that, which could have been a subcategory, that means we could have also used the Mephisto Waltz and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Because there's some really fucked up dog business going on in those. We didn't think about that. Part dog. That's right. Cicely agreed that there's not just one scary dog in the omen. I think that was your point, that there's it's loaded with scary dogs. Yeah, but it's really that one main one. Which is which is awesome, yes. Mrs. Blaylock's yes. dog. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Connie for sure. disagrees with me and says Cujo is a scary movie. Okay, okay. And then Katie's excited to see Voices live next yeah, year. Yeah, I think I think everybody is. We, as we've talked about before, I see some shaking your heads. If you've seen Voices, you know that that's one that is really underseen. Everybody that that has seen it really appreciates it, and uh, it's one that we're excited to uh, bring to Fright Club Live next year because that's really how this whole thing started. I mean, we wanted to bring 
underseen yep. horror movies, right, and <laughs> give you a chance to see them. So that'll be that'll be fun. You looking back on it, that was not that many years ago. And no, it, was, it wasn't. I think it was like three years ago. So yeah. it was like right before Deadpool. Yeah, you know, it, and I remember watching it and thinking. Ryan Reynolds, you know what I mean? Like he was so sort of Green Lantern lame at that point, and I'm like, no, he's a good guy. I yeah. like this Ryan Reynolds kid. And also thanks to T. Denton, yeah. just for reaching out and just saying, just randomly that, saying we had a great podcast. Yeah, so thanks. Yeah, we have a fondness for you and comments like that, T. Denton. Thank you so much. <laughs> Always appreciate you uh, checking in, giving out the feedback, and now we're going to pack our bags and talk about traveling abroad. Yes. So, we, which we have not done. Every year when it's vacation time, we're like, we got to go abroad. We got to go to another country. I mean, country. we've been to Canada. <laughs> we have been to Canada. And we've been to um, the Bahamas. We have been to On the a Bahamas. cruise. So that doesn't really, does that really count? So anyway, no. how did this come up? I picked this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I had to come up with a podcast for okay. it. But no, I mean, it's a, it's a really common theme in horror films. You know, people, you go to another country and you feel you just out of sorts. You're not sure you can communicate your needs. You mm-hmm. don't know. We had a guy from Austria come live with us and he swore that they used keys differently. Like he couldn't figure out how to unlock our door. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. <laughs> I just think that's, that's inaccurate. I feel like keys are keys. But and then, you know? and then we heard from other people that were staying in our house <laughs> at the same time that he was talking <laughs> in his sleep and he just woke up in the middle of the night and said, I shit my pants. That's right. <laughs> I swear to God, that's true. That's true. We just learned that last night, actually. <laughs> the things that go on in your house when you're not home. <laughs> oh, my. So, as usual, there's a few that are bubbling under, right? Yeah, because this is a really, really common theme, and there are a bunch that I think are really worth seeing. And some of them, of course, you've probably already seen, but I'm going to go through them anyway. And Soon the Darkness, the 1970 version of And Soon the Darkness. That's a very tense and interesting thriller. And my, it reminded me, actually, of Road Games, which we talked about pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not the Stacy Keach one, but the the one um, from two years ago. Mm-hmm. Hostel one and two. These are obvious choices. Either you hate those movies or you don't. I actually rewatched both of them recently in prepa- preparation for this. And uh, you know what? They're not bad. I don't like Eli Roth. I'm yeah. not a fan. But as Eli Roth movies go, they're not bad, and they certainly don't make. They're not. They're definitely not from the tourist board of Eastern Eastern Europe. That is for damn sure. <laughs> Nor is Human Centipede. No. <laughs> And I, 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 someday we're going to get that on a countdown. Are because, we? Yeah, because I love, I love the villain. I love Dieter Laser. I just oh, love the name. He is nuts. Yeah. Just, just the way his crazy eye. I mean, oh, his whole yeah. face is crazy, but the yeah. crazy eye. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what the topic is going to be for that. <laughs> and then st- there's, there's like a double bill, right? There's a, there's a film from the 70s called Who Can Kill a Child? And then... There was a remake called Come Out and Play, which is a way better title. That's a way better title. And they're, they're both about Europeans who travel to this Spanish island, and when they arrive, there's only children on the island. Oh, how adorable. And then you're <laughs> like, wait a minute, hold the phone. And terrible, terrible things happen. One of the two of them involves one of my all-time favorite things to see in a movie, a very bloody game of piñata. So, so that makes the first one superior to the second one in mm-hmm. at least that one way. So anyway, those are all the ones that didn't make the list, but I feel like you should watch. Okay, cool. Uh, before we get to it, we want to remind people that we have our winter line of, right. of Fright Club fashions, which is the, the new hat that we just got in. Thank you. We've, we've sold like uh, three or four. Earlier. They're, they're, they're 10 bucks, and that's exactly what we paid for them. 
And if everybody wants one, I'll be happy to set you up here after the show. Look at the lovely uh, model here. I that had we it have. on earlier, and then I don't know if you saw me just tear it off my head in, in rage a second ago when we had technical <laughs> difficulties because I just have no social skills. Um, but now it's back on. But we've got a couple left, and if we if, if we sell out, we'll just we'll just order more. We and, will uh, do that. Right back into it. So appreciate that as always. Um, so we'll get to it. Let's do it. It's originally when I was making up this list, you kind of threw me because I didn't look at the year. I thought it was. I warned you in advance. Yeah, well, I wasn't listening. So, what? Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we will start in the 70s. You know, I love that. It's an American newcomer to a prestigious German ballet academy coming to realize the school is a front for something sinister in a series of grisly murders from 1977. Suspiria. Roses are red, violets are blue, but the iris is the flower that will mean the end of it. You can run from Suspiria. You cannot escape Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. Okay, let me try it. Suspiria. <laughs> I always, and I know I've told this story before, I always remembered that tagline because when this movie came out, I was, I was thir- 13, and I couldn't see it, but I saw that line on the poster, like the only thing more terrifying than the end of this movie is the beginning. I thought, God damn, that must be scary. <laughs> so, you know, and so it actually set me up because the time when I finally did see it, I was a bit let down by it. And I'm one, and I know this can be very polarizing, but I, I like the remake better. Uh, and I just stumbled into, just last night or the night before, a big internet debate about it. That some people just think the remake is just shit. <laughs> and uh, I, th- I think it's great. But anyway, we're talking about this one because obviously she's an American traveling abroad to this ballet school. Right. And I mean, she is in the, in the remake as well. But yeah, I think right. it's less of a, a, of a sort of theme of the film. She doesn't feel like an outsider there. She doesn't, you know, I mean, I think it's less pronounced element of the film and and I think that sort of outsiderness is a, a main element to this one and it gives it a, a lot of the sort of fairy tale quality that he has she's just like you know she's lost in the woods I mean she's like she's lost in this enchanted village and she doesn't know what's going on and I think that's one of the reasons why the film works as, as well as it does is because it does I think trigger that that kind of um, childlike fairy tale imagery and then he makes the most of that visually. Yeah, and not only does she not know what's going on, but we don't either, which is a big difference in the remake because if you've seen the remake, you know, they are a lot more direct about the witchcraft that's going on. This is not. So as is often the case, the lead character is our eyes and ears into what's going on and she's she's in the dark and so are we yeah she is and uh, Dario Argento and, and you know for my money it's and I think a lot of people agree it's the best of his films because I think that he kind of got away from those Mario Bava style sort of like whodunit kind of things that he was doing for a while and then I think everything that he made after Suspiria was like excessive and not in sort of as stylish and, and profound a way as Suspiria was so I think that this was his his high point for me one of the things that I love about it is, I mean, he always did that dubbing, you know, uh, most yeah. Italian horror films right. do. But I think for this movie, it really, <laughs> it really works, whether it's intentional or not. 
to give it that surreal quality because you'd be like, what language is Udo Kier speaking? Because <laughs> I don't think it's Italian. It's definitely not English. Like, I don't, you know, and I, I really love that about the whole movie is yeah. that everybody's dubbed, no matter what language they were speaking in the first place. Yep. And so not only is it, it seem, they're, obviously their lips are up, but you sort of feel like the actors also have no idea what the other people are saying because they're not, like, you know, Jess Harper saying it in English and Udo Kier saying it in German and, every, you know, everybody is speaking a different language, no. which... I actually do. I think that really lends something magical to this movie. And I movie. think that's I think that is exactly what happened from everything I've been able to read about this production. I think that's exactly what happened. A lot of times Jessica Harper in particular did not know what they were saying. Right. So it definitely comes through. And one of the things you think about Argento but especially this movie is the look of it, oh, the sure. color scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he had cinematographer Luciano Tavoli, I think is his name. Watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs mm -hmm. to get and model the color scheme after that, which I think is pretty telling because, boy, the colors just pop off the screen. Probably and maybe in, more in this one than any other. Yeah, I think, I mean, the red is even more red yeah. than your typical Giallo movie. It's, it's, but also I think the way that the sets... First of all, I mean they're very colorful. They're also sort of askew. They're they're not yeah. they're not right angles, and they really dwarf the characters, especially especially Jessica Harper. Yeah, and that is is apparently because originally he wanted Argento wanted to make this school for children for underage children, and then they insisted they the people in question had to be of age. So he didn't change the script any, and he had the doors and things like the doorknobs higher than normal, and so it was still set so that they mm -hmm. looked childlike that they could uh, still get the movie made, which I thought was pretty interesting. And yeah, I like, also agree that he shouldn't be allowed to work with children. <laughs> <laughs> just... Somebody made some uh, wise decisions there. <laughs> so number five on our traveling abroad list is the original Suspiria from 1977, and that brings us up to number four, and it's the one we're going to see tonight, Lucas and Clementine live peacefully in their isolated country house. But one night, they wake up to a strange noise. They are not alone. From 2006, it's them. In the still of the night, we hear things. We see things. We imagine things that aren't always there. But tonight, your imagination isn't playing tricks. And neither are they. Them. How many people have seen this? About, about half? About, about half, half or so. Well, that's good. Glad you're coming back to see it in 35mm tonight, right. by the way. 77 minutes later. So what do we think? You like that? Yeah? Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yeah, that's uh, that gets it done in a short amount of time. It does. 77 minutes or so. It's writers, directors, David Moreau and Xavier Palud. Palud. Mm -hmm. And this one, since we're talking about traveling abroad, it's not really clear that they are, but they are. Uh, I mean, so she's a teacher. So she's, a, she's from France, and she is a teacher in Romania. She's teaching French. And so she says that they've been there about three months. And uh, her, her boyfriend is a writer back at the house. And that's based on true events of a French teacher who moved to Romania to teach and was murdered by children. And part of the reason that I thought that it fit with this is because it, um, I mean, it was kind of criticized when it came out as being a little bit jingoistic, mm -hmm. right? And I think that that's a theme that you can find in a lot of movies uh, about traveling abroad horror. I think that's a common theme. 
Um, not so, I think this is the only one really in this list where you can sort of see it, and you definitely don't see it in any Eli Roth movies, including the the abomination that is Green Inferno. His movies really don't like <laughs> oh, Americans. Right, <laughs> right. But um, but I thought it was an interesting idea. Um, I'm not sure that I. Uh, that I see that when I watch it, but I'm an American. So, like, you know, there is subtext there that I'm going to miss between the two different countries. Yeah. Um, I do think that it's really effective. And one of my favorite, because I find it terrifying, or the sort of subgenre, I think it started with A Clockwork Orange, right, where just roving gangs of, un, you know, un, unwatched children will will murder you. And, and uh, Eden Lake, we showed Eden, Eden Lake, Lake It here. really reminded me of Eden reminds Lake. Reminds me of that one. Yeah, um, The Strangers, too, yeah, you can yeah, see yeah. in there. Yeah. Even a little bit of Funny Games. Sure. Um, Absolutely. But it's got that real disorienting uh, camera. Mm -hmm. A lot of time, a lot of the sound is disorienting. You know, the, the I love the sound design in this movie. I do. Yeah. It's, a, it's a little muddy, but but it it's disorienting the way that some of that reminded me of Blair Witch with sure. the screams yeah, off yeah. into the distance and things like that. And it's, again, less is more because, mm -hmm. and again, you see almost nothing except maybe a sneaker yeah. or something like that. And they just give you glimpses until you get to the end. What do you think? Yeah, um, I really love the simplicity of the movie. Um, the fact that the the villains in the movie are almost well, they're they're one hundred percent faceless through the entire thing. The only fact, the only way that you know that they're children, are the use of hoodies. <laughs> I think anyone that works with children know that you know kids like hoodies. So you know the fact that you see a hoodie uh, on a on a person that's just sort of like moving around in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a teenager. So the fact that they keep. Uh, Keep the villains in the shadows through the entirety of the movie, I think, is incredibly effective. You know, the things I like, too, is that you hear that that horrible noise yeah. throughout that sort of, you know, and it, it sounded to me like a tool, you know, like a box cutter be opening and closing, opening and closing, something yeah. like that. Oh, and then, see, and yeah. then when you see in the end when he's he's leaving, it's like a it's like a toy. Yeah. You know, it's just a noisemaker toy. I thought that was really creepy and effective. I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I went into this one blind. I like I had no idea about the true story behind it, and the fact that they were children involved was a really big surprise. Yeah, you're going to give those kids at the school bus a second look, aren't you? That, <laughs> that are waiting. You are, and I don't blame you. <laughs> I loved the sound design on this too. I mean, the sound was what kept you on the edge the whole movie, and. Kids can be treacherous. <laughs> the whole thing was shot in 30 days. Wow. Which kind of sets the theme of that the movie gets gets up, gets going, gets yeah, it done. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and it does. so do the production. So overall, yeah, it's a it, it's a fun one. Yeah. It's a, well. it, that can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> but it's effective. So that is number four on our list of traveling broad horror, Them, from 2006. So we're just going to move right along. We are. We'll just do that to uh, number three. And that is the story of two American college students on a walking tour of Britain attacked by a werewolf that none of the locals will admit exists. From 1981, an American werewolf in London. My friend Jack was just here. Your dead friend, Jack. He told me that I will become a monster in two days. The supernatural, the power of darkness, it's all true. Please believe me. Believe what? That tomorrow night, beneath the full moon, I'll sprout hair and fangs and eat people? Are you all right now? I don't know. I'll let you know the next full moon. And everybody dies in it. It's very bloody. I just saw, I think it was last night, I saw that last night was, yesterday was, the 38th anniversary of that movie's release. Yes. Which is amazing. 1981, 38 years ago. And at the time, I remember just being blown away by the effects, you know, because at the time that was like, oh, man, that's so cool. Yeah. 
I loved the uh, the tube. The yeah. the guy and the, the British guy who gets out and he's having a mint and he's just like, <laughs> I shall report this. I know. And then all of a sudden, like, oh my god. And um and I love the wolf because it didn't look like any other uh, werewolf and and it, is, it and still to this day that the the werewolf in this movie looks different than any of it's almost looked like a bear with yeah. like a wolf face. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, it was funny. It was funny, yeah. And really scary. And it was interesting that uh, it's director John Landis. It is. And he reported just a few years ago he was approving a high-definition transfer of the film uh, for DVD, and he was reminded, he was surprised how gory it was. He had forgotten how <laughs> gory it was, and he directed the damn thing. I was like, yeah, it, it kind of was. But yes. you're right, there's some, there's some humor in it, too. Oh, it's very and funny. And it's got such a, such a cool vibe about it. And I think my favorite thing about learning about, you know, reading more about this movie is that both David Naughton, the star, and Griffin Dunn, mm -hmm. they both got to keep those puffy jackets. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you're going to take less percentage of the profits if you get to keep those jackets. <laughs> but it was actually, um, it's probably widely known, the first movie to earn an Academy Award for Best Makeup. Yep. Because it was created in 1981. I think the category was created actually as a as a response to the backlash that there was no recognition given to the elephant man oh, okay. uh, so then they made uh the category and of course rick baker, rick baker the, right. the legend picked it up with good reason the transformation scenes and the wolf scenes it's, yeah. it's, it's very cool when it, then griffin dunn's decaying yeah you know that's cool the little well. flap of skin yeah, yeah. you know off his neck which is kind of little the, the little push over the cliff yes and those are the those are funny too because if you remember those dead the dead couple you know, oh, yeah. The woman's just all happy. Yeah, maybe you should shoot yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's just so happy about it. So it's got that, even though it is gory and bloody and people are getting attacked. Um, and apparently there was even more gore left on the cutting room floor. Mm -hmm. Early test audiences were just, especially the, the homeless people oh. that, that, that are attacked. The, apparently yeah, that yeah. was a longer, much longer, gorier scene that that was cut. So. Uh, it's really just one of those that is just kind of crowd-pleasing in a lot of different ways. It is. And I think the reason, you know, I mean, uh, just the title is An American Werewolf in London. Um, but also it's the whole, like, first act where they are lost on the moors that seems so authentic to me. Like, that is a hundred. Actually, three of my friends went to Scotland and got lost on the moors. Krista Clark, that doesn't surprise any of us. They all just got lost in the fog. And I, and I remember thinking, I'm so glad you, because I knew they wouldn't, because they're wusses. I knew they hadn't seen this movie. But it does. It feels authentic to me. And then I always feel, like, so sorry for them when they think they find respite in the slaughtered lamb. And you, you're like, why are they going to throw them out? That's yeah. just so mean. And we've talked English people are so mean. <laughs> We've talked about the Enoof guy. Enoof. But have we talked about before? Uh, because I know how much you love uh, Rick from The Young Ones. He's 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 in the bar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. He's playing chess with uh, the guy that yells Enoof. I, I don't know. know if we talked about that before. So I'm not. Rack. You know, of the Young Ones, I, Rick was like my least favorite. Oh my God! Are you kidding? Oh, Rick! No. He's oh, annoying. I loved Rick. He's Rack. annoying. I, I like Mike. Him. I like Mike too. Mike was my favorite of the I Young like Ones. I like Neil a lot. But we're off the. I like uh, Viv. I loved the them subject. all. <laughs> I loved all four of the Young Ones. But American Werewolf in London. <laughs> From 1981, <laughs> for so many reasons, for those reasons and so many more, is number three on our list of traveling abroad. So um, we're going up to number two. Boy, this is a favorite. This has made many a list for the Fright Club with good reason. This is a caving expedition going horribly wrong as the explorers become trapped and ultimately pursued by a strange breed of predators from 2005, The Descent. There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. This is not good, guys. 
Juno. Oh my God. <laughs> so she invites all of her UK friends come to the States for our vacation this year. Come over here. Let's go to Appalachia. <laughs> Let's go spelunking. Yeah. And then I'm just going to decide on my own that we can go where other people haven't been deep below the earth. Plus, she's going to bone her friend's husband. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she already did that. So she's clearly a horrible person. But I, you know what? Spelunking alone right there. I'm like, you guys, seriously, it's you got a death wish to start. And with. you know, one thing I was reminded this time looking at this movie, and I don't know if we've talked about this before, but the poster. Remember the poster? Yeah. How cool the poster was. It was a takeoff on that dally painting and they were all arranged like a skull. Yeah. So cool. It is cool. So cool. And it's man, this is another one. You know, you get the feeling that you're down with them because it's just, it's one that we've talked about before in other movies, how they start out expansive and then just close in. Close it. We've talked about how The Exorcist does that. Uh, this one does it too, of course, you know, before you get in the in the cave, you know, you're out in there. Before that, they're on White River, River right. rafting. And, and, and then uh, they yeah. get in there. And then they, but even before they get to the, the crawlers, probably my most frightening moment in this movie is when, there's that tiny little tunnel they have to crawl through, and I'm just, my mind can't take that. Well, and the one gets caught. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, too no, much. I'm out. I'm I out. Know. It was you too know. much. And then after that, the Irish girl runs, she jumps, she smacks, she snaps yeah. the bone. And yeah. like, like, I was so emotionally wrung out by this movie before we ever saw that there were monsters. Exactly. It's yeah. just the whole movie makes me giddy. Um, it's <laughs> it, like it speaks to everything I'm terrified of because I'm claustrophobic and I'm afraid of the woods. And my assumption is that, yes, there are those creepy crawlers out there. And that's why you shouldn't do those things. And they're so cool. It's another one of those deals where less is more. You know, just in the very, you just see a shadow here and then you catch a glimpse like you just saw in the trailer before you actually see some. It takes a, a while to get there. And it's director Neil Marshall. Yep who was coming off of Dog Soldiers, yes. which is really effective on a lower budget. Yeah. You know, for I a, love Dog Soldiers. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And uh, originally he didn't want to do another horror movie, but then realized this one is so different than Dog Soldiers because not only is it not a werewolf movie, but it's all about female protagonists. Yes. And it's almost, a, some have kind of called it a female deliverance in some way. Yeah. And then once they get down there, he made sure that all, even all the actors that played the crawlers were professionally trained actors. He wanted even those monsters to have some sort of personality or some sort of character to them. Get and to I, know me. <laughs> that's, that's what right. they said. Come and live with us. <laughs> Come play with us. Uh, but it's it's so creepy. It it really touches on so many primal fears, yeah. you know, of tight spaces, of yes. monsters. Yeah. And uh, of being chased of and being confined in Appalachia, yeah. And then, of course... Those extreme athletes. Come on. And then, of course, we've uh, we've discussed a few times the, the multiple endings. Yes. And how it kind of... Uh, <laughs> one was the happier, quote-unquote... The American ending. Yes, exactly. It was just... It was thought that the American audiences don't want that. You know, and, and, so they and I'll be honest, generally speaking, ending. I'm all pissy about that. Like, oh, they don't trust us to... And, but I saw the American ending. I loved the movie. I loved this movie. And then I've told the story before, then I watched it with my sister, who's bigger and meaner and much more of a what's about scary movies. I'm like, you're going to love it because it's all females, blah, blah. Anyway, I, I got the wrong one. We saw the much more harsh uh, British ending. My sister pummeled me. She punched me repeatedly really hard. 
And so I hate that version. <laughs> it might just be trauma talking, but but I, I mean I do. It's the one instance where I I actually prefer the American release version. Yeah, I well I I think they're both worthwhile. I, I like the fact that you can see both. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it totally gives you a totally different read on it. Just but, watch uh, who you watch it with. Yeah, exactly. You might get hurt. The Descent, we love it. Number two on our traveling abroad list in horror from 2005. And that takes us up to number one, much more recent. It's a couple traveling to Sweden to visit a rural hometown's fabled Midsummer Festival. What else could it be? Midsummer from this year. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through. Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. Unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! <laughs> what do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. We saw the original version, which is long enough. Then yes. we went back. We saw the director's cut. I'd go. I'd, I'd see it again tomorrow. Yes. I really would. I mean, it's such a, a trip. It's not only a head trip. But it's it's just it's such a, an, an engrossing, absorbing tale. I, I loved it. Yeah, I can't get over the attention to detail that Ari yeah. Aster has. Yeah. Um, especially when you, you know, after you've seen it twice and then somebody points out that the trees look like the dying sister. You're like, oh, my God. I have to go back and rewatch this whole three yeah. hours and examine all the clouds and all the grass. And, and it's and it is. We had a com- we had a complaint last night that it's just it's just the Wicker Man. And it's very much the Wicker Man. It's a huge very much the wicker man with like a bear <laughs> but there's, there's um, a bear you know i don't think that that is a, a massive knock right i mean the wicker man is a 50 year old film and this definitely takes it in some very new directions it really does and it's ari oster who did hereditary which we also love love but this one is so much different they both you can say they both examine grief yeah but this one is also a, a hell of a breakup movie yes. i mean yikes yeah um which I read an interview with uh, with him recently where he said that was basically his original inspiration, but then he realized after Hereditary that it would be so much easier to get it made as a quote-unquote horror movie. Well, it works. It sure does. Yeah. It sure does. It, it really messes with your head, and all the, especially Florence, Florence Pugh. Oh, is she's great. amazing, yeah. She, she really is great, and there's so, it's, it's so different than Hereditary, and it's so, as you can tell by the trailer, it's so light yeah. and bright yeah. and again you're not it's not claustrophobic you're outside yeah. there's so many rolling hills and everything's there's flowers everybody's so happy but man especially if you've seen it more than once there's so much uh, foreshadowing of s- some very literal foreshadowing yeah. if yes. you look at wallpaper and things like that and and pictures on the wall of what's coming on i think it's a, just a really fascinating and enthralling piece of filmmaking. I do think it has some similarities with Hereditary. Uh, is he seems he seems preoccupied with like the miniature, you know, like mm-hmm. the, she's building those miniatures of what's going to happen and what has happened. In this case, it's all these really tiny paintings that are everywhere that really are telling the same story again and again. At the same time, it's it's as you said, it's sort of the opposite of Hereditary because Hereditary is so enclosed. You're so inside 
all of the time, you know, except with the like street sign. <laughs> and in this one, it's so it's so outdoors and it's very it's got a definitely a Bergman esque feel about it. But because oh, yeah. of the yeah. the bright, shiny midday sort of goriness to it, it also strangely enough reminded me of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, because that's one thing we bring up with with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre a lot, how you're comforted by the light. So right. when you see such horrific things going on the light it just throws you right yeah and this definitely digs into those types of themes as well but then as you see each member of the troop kind of get picked off yeah. for their own in, in their own way i love will poulter so much in this movie i think he's so great and i also love what ariaster did with um the audio because there's so often and i, I think part of it, it it helps because the characters are almost entirely high they're high almost the whole time mm -hmm. and so so often you hear conversations that are going on but the characters are visually in your periphery yeah. and i thought that was kind of a fascinating way to to add some detail to what was going on without having, you know, without a, a lot of exposition, without having one character explain to another character, right. this is about to happen. They're just over here having this weird conversation. And uh, sometimes what? it's about ticks and lice, and sometimes <laughs> it's about, you know, what is that song the kids are singing? The one Skin knock, the Fool? Yeah, Skin the Fool. The one <laughs> knock, I mean, we did kind of both agree that early on, especially some of the character decisions may not have been that uh, authentic a little bit. I actually felt like the director's cut, for me, helped made up for a lot of I the agree. small foibles that I found the first time through. I do agree. So, yeah, if you haven't, if you liked the original and haven't seen the director's cut, would definitely recommend it because I think we both enjoyed it even more. And uh, one, of our, uh, one of our favorites from this year, Midsummer, is number one on our Traveling Abroad horror list. So with that, we look ahead to the next Fright Club Live. That'll be the December edition, December 11th. That's We're going right. to celebrate Christmas. We are. We're going to have a, a holly jolly business card Christmas. <laughs> so make your reservations at Dorcia. George picked this one, so I want to give him credit for that. Woo! This is what is this? our fourth year. This is the first time George has picked a movie. Yes. And he picked a good one. Yes. yes. American Psycho. We're going to have right. a blast with this. Uh, I know it. Pretty much everybody has seen it, but maybe not everybody has seen it on the big screen. Right. So this is going to be uh, a lot of fun. This is again Wednesday, December 11th. We'll do the same thing. We'll uh, bring our business cards and compare in there for happy hour and then <laughs> do the podcast and come in here and watch American Psycho. And that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, speaking of best of the year, then we're going to have our uh, best of the year horror films right. coming up soon on the Fright Club podcast, which we haven't even we haven't even made that list yet. Well, no, it's, you know, we still have a month and a half to go. Yeah, so, so we got to make it and then check watch. it twice. That's right. That's we'll, correct. We'll have that coming up on, uh, that'll be a studio edition of Fright Club. It will be. Coming and then up soon. Our first two studios of next year are going to be, because we there's too many, the, the best horror films of the decade. We're going to split that into two different podcasts because right now the short list is 45. Yeah. It has been a good decade. Oh, my God, it's been so good. There's going to be some really good movies that don't make the cut. Yep. So, uh, man, that's going to be tough. We got to get it rolling, right? So yes. until next time, she is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And this is the Fright Club Podcast. Nice job. Thank you so much, guys.